بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمد کریم اما بعد الحمد للہ نائٹ از دا ففتھ آف جون ان دی ہمدلیٹی Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu he had warned the one who gives a fatwa to the people about everything he is indeed insane so the way ibn Mas'ud was saying this is insanity that you give fatwa for anything and like one of the scholars said the lunatics are ruining the asylum <laughs> Everybody, every corner is giving fatwa now. So Ibn Masood said, this is madness. So now let's consider a following famous narrative. So this is recorded in Nasai, number 3360, Sahih. Abu Dawood, number 2114. Then with the number 1148. Ibn Majid, number 1891. Ahmad in his Musnad, number 4,099 to 4,100, 4,276 to 4,278, Sahih. Darimi in his Sunan, number 2,246. Hakim in his Mustadrak, 2-101, stated Sahih to the criteria of Muslim. Zahabi, Sahih. Ibn Hibar in his Sahih, number 1,263. Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musandaf, Mishkar, number 3,207. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated Sahih in his Irwa ul-Ghalim number 1939. Al-Qamah rahmatullahi he said, Some people came and asked Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu A man amongst us married a woman but he did not name a dowry for her and he did not have intercourse with her before he died. i.e. those what now should be the dowry or inheritance if any so what was the question post so a man has got married he didn't name a dowry and he didn't have intimacy the question now was does she get a dowry and is there inheritance for her Abdullah radiyallahu responded ma su'iltu mundu فَارَقْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ أَشَدَّ عَلِيَّ مِنَ هَذِهِ فَأَتُوا غَيْرِ Since I have left Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم I have never been asked a more difficult question than this Go to somebody else So they approached him, they asked He goes, very difficult You know, basically go and ask somebody else They, however, kept coming to him for the month. Now you say now they were nagging him. At the end of the month, they said, Man nas'alu in lam nas'aluka wa anta min jillati ashabi Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
bihadal baladi wala najidu ghairak who shall we ask if we do not ask you you are one of the most prominent companions of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in this land we cannot find anybody else he then reflected then after a long pause he said i will now say what i think if it is correct it is from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone without partner if it is incorrect it is from me it is from shaitan and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger have nothing to do with it so after the month they basically said do you have to answer this so he said something very interesting if i'm correct is from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if i'm incorrect they are free is from shaitan and myself so now here a point very interesting point hafiz ibn kathir rahmatullahi in his tafsir volume 8 page 114 of the english translation he commented here this is very similar to the holy verse surah saba surah 34 verse 50 of the billahi minash shaitan rajeem qul in dalalt fa innama adillu ala nafsi وَإِنْ اهْتَدَيْتُ فَبِمَا فَبِمَا يُوحِي إِلَيَّ رَبِّي say if i go astray i shall stray to my own loss but if i remain guided it is because of the revelation of my lord to me so ibn kathir he was praising ibn masud he goes this is very similar to the holy verse he was acting upon a verse and what does allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam say if i go astray it is my own loss meaning i'm to blame but if i remain guided it is because of the revelation of my lord then ibn masud go back to the report he said i think that she should be given a dowry like that of her peers and no less with no injustice and she may inherit from him and she has to observe the idda the waiting period of 4 months and 10 days <laughs> if you think about the answer is given what did he just say so he said she's given a dowry equal to her peers peers she will inherit she has to now go into mourning for 4 months and 10 days this was heard by some people from ashja who thereupon stood up and said in one report the name is mentioned sayyidana maqil ibn sinan al asja'i radiyallahu we bear witness that you have passed the same judgment as rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam concerning a woman from amongst us called birwa bint washiq the narrator added fama ru'ya abdullahi fariha farahahu yawma idhin illa bi islam Sayyidina Abdullah radiyallahu anhu was not seen looking so happy as he did on that day except with having embraced Islam. Subhanallah. So what happened? When they finally forced Ibn Masud's hand radiyallahu he gave a ruling. And his ruling and this is how interesting when he gave the ruling some people from a tribe the ashja a man stood up 
from that tribe, Ma'akil ibn Sinan al-Ashjai. And he said, we bear witness, you have passed the same judgment as Rasulullah concerning a woman from amongst us called Birwa bin Washik. So now question, why didn't they just mention the hadith? Why would they make Ibn Masood sweat? So there's two responses. Maybe this is a coincidence. They came at that point and he gave the ruling and it coincided. Or maybe they were testing him. So even though he didn't know. So they basically praised him because you've given the perfect ruling. Then look what the narrator said. فَمَا رُؤِيَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ فَرَحَهُ يَوْمَ إِلَّا بِإِسْلَامِ Abdullah was not seen looking so happy as he did on that day except the day he embraced Islam. So if you saw him because you're, you're like we say he's won the halal jackpot. Was he looking so happy? What's happened? Does he embrace, what's happened? Because his ruling coincided with Rasulullah. Because he was so happy, the only time probably was when he embraced Islam, you can equate it to that. <laughs> so this is an absolutely flawless report in the sunnahs, which I've mentioned. And it's full of nur showing the status of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. He refused to give fatwa. <laughs> and when he did, he was perfect. <laughs> Subhanallah, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was thus living up to his own exhortation. What did he say? In Tabarani in his Kabir 9-187, Abdul Razak in his Al-Musannaf 8-301. If a case comes before you which you cannot differ, then judge it according to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you are unable to do so, then judge it according to the sunnah of Rasulullah. If you are unable to do so, then judge it according to the judgment passed by the righteous. If you are unable to do so, then motion tacitly to defer it and leave no stone unturned to pass judgment. If you are unable, flee from it and don't be embarrassed. So what did the great Ibn Masood say? This is the, for the Qadis. He goes, you first turn to the Quran. If you cannot find the answer, you turn to the Sunnah. If you cannot find the answer, then you turn to the righteous. So now what's interesting about that? A lot of people skip this. <laughs> Quran and Sunnah, brother. That's not what Ibn Masood said. He said Quran, then he said the righteous. Who are the righteous? So the righteous, obviously, are the shuyukh, are the senior companions of the Prophet The sheikhs, Abu Bakr and Umar, Khalaf al-Rashidin, etc. If you're unable, then delay it. So now go back to his, what was he doing? Exactly what he's preaching. He's not preaching one thing and doing something else. He was delaying it. And then he says, if you're unable, run away, flee. Don't be ashamed. Meaning, get away from there. Don't give a ruling. He goes, flee. But he couldn't flee. Why? Because he was a judge in Kufa. Eventually, he had to, the book stops with him. When he gave the ruling, perfect ruling. In a similar report, this most illustrious man added, Radiallahu let no one say, I am afraid, I am afraid, I to judge. The halal is clear. The haram is clear. Between the two are doubtful matters. Therefore, leave what seems dubious to you for what does not seem dubious to you. 
This is in Nasai, number 5911, Tabarani in his Kabir, 9-187, Behaki in his Sunan Al-Qubra, number 20115, Daribi ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf, Fatt al-Bari, 13-288, Hassan. So Ibn Masood then, uh, he comforted the Qadis. He goes, don't say I am afraid, meaning you have to eventually judge. He goes, halal is clear, meaning give the ruling if it's clear. Haram is clear, if it's haram, tell them it's haram. But then there's dubious, and he goes, leave the dubious. He goes, keep away from it. Subhanallah, such were those truly auspicious days, about which Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, radiyallahu you are living in a time of which it's fuqaha, i.e. the scholars of deep understanding are many, and it's khutaba, i.e. preachers are few. Those who ask, i.e. for clarification or charity are few, and it's givers are many. And good righteous deeds is the leader of hawa, i.e. one's desires. However, there will come a time after you, which its fuqaha will be few, and khutaba many. Those who ask will be many, and those who give will be few, and hawa will govern one's actions. <laughs> this is recorded in Imam Malik's Muwattah, Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, Rahmatullahi, in his Fatt al-Bari, volume 10, page 510, stated Sahih. Shaykh al-Bari, Rahmatullahi, stated Hassan, in his Sahih, Al-Dabal Muftad, number 605. So let's look at this. So Ibn Mas'ud, what did he say about his time? He goes, you are living in a time where there are many fuqaha. These are the well-versed scholars. So he praised his time because there's too many of them, too many mujtahids. And the khutaba are few. Quite interesting. The sermonizes, there are not many of them. So what's strange about that? There's mujtahids every pillar. Where are, the, where are the ones who are encouraging? Those who ask, who is he referring to? Those who ask for clarification or sadaqah, they are few. Why? Because they learned it. We don't need. We know our deen. And the givers are many. So they want to give whom nobody nobody's taking. Then he said, righteous deeds is the leader of hawa. How are your desires? Your, your, your deeds control your desires. Look how he's described the time of the Sahab. Then he said, and all of a sudden you're thinking, here we go, he's going to describe us now. Yes, you're right. What did he say? There's going to come a time when the fuqaha will be few. Very few in-depth, well-versed scholars. Khutaba many. Everybody's giving bayans. Those who ask, give, give. I don't know what's going on. Of many. And those who give will be few. Oh, I can't afford it, brother. Yeah, come, uh, go to uncle. And hawa, your desires govern your actions. Meaning, yeah, 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 I know, brother. But he's not interested. He'll continue with his hawa. Another Sayyid hadith from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Wasn't he right? So which era was he in? He, you know, if you look at it, he was living in the time of the righteous. And there were many of these people in terms of, you know, who are asking for clarification. One only needs to glance at the Islamic content on the social media to see the reality of these blessed words. Everybody's giving bayan. 
And then somebody asked, is he a scholar? I said, no, no, brother. And he goes, why you ask it? And he goes, well, he did a rape there. And he goes, well, I don't know, brother. You know, if he's on thing, a social platform, I don't know, maybe he's a Christian giving you a bayan. <laughs> Might not even be a Muslim. Allah Ta'ala preserve and, preserve and guide us. Amen. Now also, what's interesting, if you give fatwa, if you're not qualified, you committed a kabir. Kabir means an enormity in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how do we know this is an enormity? Because there's a report. The hadith is in Abu Dawood Sayyid. And summarizing the report, one of the companions is on a campaign and he has a wet dream. What makes it worse is he's wounded. So he asks some others, he goes, look, you see the situation I'm in, I'm wounded, but I need to have a bath. What do I need to do? So the people who we asked, they said, you need to have a bath, because you're not excused. So he has the whistle, the wound, you know, causes, causes it to accelerate, he dies. When this incident reached the Prophet he said something which he never said before. They killed him. May Allah kill them. They killed him. May Allah kill them. What is the cure for ignorance other than to ask? It would have been enough and then the Prophet gave the ruling. So the Prophet prayed for their death. Those who are not qualified and they give a ruling, may you perish, the Prophet said. Will his dua get answered? So how many people are getting are perishing because of giving rulings? Why are you coming to me for? Go and ask the scholars. Nah, brother, it's alright. What makes it worse? I've got it on phone. I'll give you the ruling. What do you want? Which one do you want? Maliki Shafi. What are you looking at the phone for? Right? So there you go in it. What state are we in? Right? May you perish. And how many times you give it, and then all of a sudden, oh my God, and then the what makes it worse, if you give it on the phone, all the world gets the ruling. How are you going to retract it? It won't be too bad if you said it to one person. So again, note, and that's why we're living in the end times. I don't know, brother, don't ask me. Go and ask the scholars. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had also similarly related with regards to the female folk. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for those who would like to go through the process of invoking the curse of Allah to be upon the one who is wrong, then remember, the shortest surah concerning women was revealed after which speak of the waiting period of four months and ten days. This is in Abu Dawood number 2307, Ibn Imaj number 2030, Sahih. Did you get that? Be honest. I just said something. Did you hear what I was saying? Even if you knew what I was saying, did you understand what he's referring to? So we have to break it down. Who is he talking to? What's he talking about? He goes, I will swear a curse on the one who is wrong. Let's do it. Then he said, remember... The shorter surah concerning women. What was he referring to then? What's the shorter surah concerning women? Surah Talaq, surah 65. 
Remember, the short surah concerning women was revealed after what speaks of the waiting period of four months and ten days. So was he, where's the four months and ten days? Was he referring to that? Where? Where's that mentioned? Surah Baqarah. See, this is the thing. Right? We no connection to Quran. You've just got to be brutally honest. He's talking and you realize these were all knowledgeable people. When I read the report, I'll be honest myself, I had to read it a few times. So let's break it down. What was revealed first? Surah Talaq or Surah Baqarah? Surah Talaq was revealed after Surah Baqarah. Yes? So Baqarah was revealed first, Surah Talaq. Why did he mention that? Because if something is revealed after, where is the ruling going to be found? The one after. So in which Surah is this ruling found? Surah Talaq or Surah Baqarah? Surah Talaq. What did he say? He goes, I will invoke the curse of Allah on the one who is wrong. Simply put, Surah Talaq was revealed after Surah Baqarah. Hence, the command within it is the governing verse. Thus, in Surah Talaq, Surah 65 verse 4, it legislates that the waiting period for a pregnant woman shall be till she delivers. Whilst in Surah Baqarah, Verse 234, it mentions the waiting period for a widow is four months and ten days. Therefore, if a pregnant woman husband dies, her waiting period will not be four months and ten days. Rather, it will be till her delivery, regardless if the time for delivery is longer or shorter. We understood. So let's break it down. Husband and wife. Husband dies. Wife's pregnant. She now goes into mourning. When does the mourning period finish? So a person goes straight away without thinking four months and ten days. No. Her mourning period finishes when she delivers the child. Then he goes, no, but Surah Baqarah says four months and ten days. This is what Ibn Musul was talking about. He goes, I will swear a curse. Let's do it now. He goes, Surah Talaq has the governing verse. So he's explaining, he goes, you need to know what verse was revealed first. Thus, when Abdullah ibn Mas'ud saw that people were giving an erroneous ruling in this regard, he uttered these words. So that's just from the great ibn Mas'ud. Is there anything direct to prove this? Yes. In Ibn Majah, number 2028, Sahih Tabrani in his 24-293, it is related. Masruq and Amr ibn Utbah, they wrote to Sayyida Subay'ata bint al-Harith, asking her about her case. So breaking it down again. Two senior tabi'in, they wrote a letter to a female companion. Something happened to her and they wanted clarification. Her name is Subay'ata bint al-Harith, she wrote back to them saying, I gave birth 25 days after my husband died. 
Then I prepared myself to get married again. Abu Sanabil ibn Ba'aqaq passed by me and said, Why are you hurrying? Observe the waiting period for the longer period for four months and ten days. Thus I went to Rasulullah and said, Ya Rasulullah, please make dua to forgive me. The Prophet said, Wafi madak. Why? What did you do? I informed him and he responded. In If you find a righteous husband, marry him. Meaning, he told you incorrectly. So she wrote that back to the two tabi. Why? Because they were discussing it. If a pregnant wife, widow is now, what's the what's the mourning period? Is it four months and ten days? Or is it the delivery? Or do you have to wait until which one is longer? So she was in that situation and she thought and she was right 25 days after my husband died i gave birth and i was now getting ready to get married again so a sahaba he goes why are you rushing four months and ten days when she said to the prophet look at her humility she goes please make a dua that allah, allah forgives me she didn't even think she was right and the prophet goes well, why should i ask what, what did you do and he goes you were right because find a righteous husband clarifying further in Sahih Bukhari, number 5320, Sahih Muslim, number 1485, Ibn Imaj, number 2029, Sahih, Sayyidina Miswar Ibn Makhrama, radiyallahu, he relates, the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa told Subay'ata, radiyallahu, to get married, when her post-natal, post-natal bleeding ended. So this adds a vital detail. The same female companion, the Prophet told her, wait until your bleeding finishes. So let's put all this into a nutshell. Thus she gave birth 25 days after her husband's passing. Hence thereafter she had to wait until her postnatal bleeding end. Thus if it was the full 40 days, she was ready to marry 65 days, roughly two months after her husband's passing and did not have to wait until four months and 10 days had passed. Have you understood? So now, go back to Ibn Masood. When I make, go through a statement now, it makes sense. Sayyid Hadith, what did he say in Abu Dawood? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for those who would like to go through the process of invoking the curse of Allah to be upon the one who is wrong, remember the short surah concerning women, surah talaq, was revealed after, which was speaking of the waiting period of four months and ten days. He answered it scholarly. He wasn't talking to laymen. Have you understood? Laymen don't know what he's talking about. So sometimes he would talk and you'd think, What's, who's he talking to this? Ulama. And of course, he's right. <laughs> because he was trained by the best. He noticed he didn't quote the hadith. That wasn't his trait. You know, I mentioned yesterday, he didn't like quoting the Prophet. He just got the message across. Very rarely he would say, Qala Rasulullah. Why? Because this is a very serious matter to quote the Prophet. So note again, his humility. He didn't want to give fatwa. He was very reluctant to give fatwa. But when he was pushed, came to shove, he would give and he was right. And he would be very angry with people who would do it. And you can see from the report, because I'll curse that person who is making these rulings, who is uttering these statements. SubhanAllah. At the same time, you need to know abrogation. This is why Ali radiallahu 
he said to a man, do you know the verses that are abrogated? And the verses that, eventually asked him about abrogation. The man goes, no. He goes, you've ruined yourself, you've ruined others. Now what did he mean by that? Because this person was giving fatwa. <laughs> you don't know what's abrogated. You don't know what came first. Another example of this, wiping over your feet, uh, wiping over leather socks. Does the Quran allow that? Does the Quran allow you to wipe over your socks, leather socks? Okay. The Quran says wash your feet or wipe, depending upon the Quran. So why do we wipe over socks? Because uh, Ali Rodin also, you know, he, he saw this and he imitated the action. Okay. Who's Jadid ibn Abdullah radiallahu He was a Yemen, Yemeni prince who embraced Islam. He embraced Islam in the last year of the Prophet's life, well after Surah Maidah was revealed. And he would wipe over the socks. And the scholars said this is a proof that the wiping has precedence. So notice you need to know when something was revealed to understand what the ruling is. Now be honest, do we know that? Somebody gives you a sahih hadith, sahih hadith of the... Is it an early ruling? Is it a late ruling? Was the Prophet talking to one person? Was he talking to a couple of... Was it a unique ruling for that sahaba? Was it generalized? Was it for a specific time? And the guy looks here, he goes, I'm just... I'm just telling you, Yeah, what's the house that going to help me? <laughs> You're not supposed to give rulings, your fruit cake. You have no idea. What has Ali said? You've ruined yourself, you're ruining others. So note again, this is why the Imams are rare. But in the time of Ibn Masood, they were plenty. Why? Because they were trained by the best. So all I mentioned again today was a glimpse into the great taqwa and humility of Abdullah Ibn Masood. And not many lessons to learn when going through the lives of the illustrious ones. Are there any questions you'll ask? Subhanallah <laughs>